just compete, baby. The Jets return home on Sunday to take on the Titans. Can the Jets' defense contain Derrick Henry? We'll preview the game and make our predictions. We also react to the comments made by Quinn and Williams on the criticism of Zach Wilson and the team. Our special guest is former Jets offensive lineman, pre- and post-game host, and the pride of Hofstra, Willie Cologne. It's all next on Gangs All Here from the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome back to Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Jake Brown, alongside my co-host, Brian Costello. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio and at Brian Cos. Check out Cos's coverage of the Jets in the Post, nypost.com, and your exclusive stories on Sports Plus, Post Sports Plus. Go get your 30 days free trial now. Later in the show, we will chat with the pride of Hofstra. Yes, see what I did there. And former Jets offensive lineman, Willie Cologne, who was all over the place. SNY pre and post game. He's doing Mad Dog Sports Radio with Sirius XM. So Willie is a busy man. He's going to join us later in the show. Cause here we are going to week four. The Jets are 0-3. Seems uh, like, you know, this could be the same week four episode as last year. I mean, it's just, it seems every year, play it back. It's been a rough couple of weeks and questions will need to be answered. Jets Titans on Sunday, one o'clock at MetLife Stadium. It's going to be a restless crowd. Tickets are going for like 30 or $40. So it might be more expensive to go to Peter Luger's than it is uh, to get a Jets ticket right now, Kaz, in a good seat. I think this crowd, Kaz, could get restless if the Jets are down early because I think people are fed up and they want to see competitive football. That's all you can really ask for. You're not even asking for wins. You're just asking to compete at this point first of all jake i thought you were the pride of hofstra so i'm a little disappointed there uh but yes restless is a nice word to use jake i I think this could get ugly if the jets don't play well however i do think this is a better matchup for the jets than they've had and the titans are a good team obviously uh have been a very consistently good team for a few years now they have derrick henry you know that's going to be a tough assignment for the jets defense but that's what the jets do well right? Like they're pretty, they're pretty solid against the run. They've got a good defensive line. Obviously he's a different type of running back than anyone else, but to this one to me is a better matchup than they've had. The Titans defense, not that great, Jake. Look at the Titans depth chart right now. Their starting cornerbacks are old friend from the Giants, Janoris Jenkins and Christian Fulton. You know, that's not top cornerbacks in the league. They're starting safety right now is Matthias Farley, who was a Jets backup last year. This defense is not that good. This should be the week that the Jets offense show some life <laughs> they gotta do something and you know i think this is a get right game for the jets offense and the question will be can the jets defense slow henry down and that sounds like the titans will be without aj brown maybe julio jones this should be a competitive game jake i'm the broadcast pride of hofstra willie is okay. the athlete pride of hofstra so there's two worlds although he's you know taking everyone's job as this uh broadcast star now so i don't know you got charles jenkins willie cologne jake brown top three i'm in the mount rushmore and i'm just kidding you wrote about it too lafleur has got to shake things up this is a rookie you know offensive coordinator first time calling plays and you know he's getting a lot of questions thrown on because listen they're not firing robert sal after the season they're not getting rid of zach wilson after the season it's no lock that lafleur is going to be here for the long term so it's three weeks in let's not call yeah, for the yeah, guy's job crazy but, yeah no of course but if if it keeps up like this and the jets can't you know score double digit points they're in trouble tyler croft he's day to day we'll see if he plays but 
getting tight ends involved for rookie quarterbacks as a safety net is going to be so important here if we want to see some more development from Wilson you know Kenny Yaboa could play from the practice squad if Croft was to miss time Elijah Moore has a concussion we'll see if he plays maybe this is Denzel Mims time every week it's the Denzel Mims segment I'm going to text Mims the rapper I've actually interviewed him and get him on and maybe we'll make a song about Denzel Mims do you know Mims do you know the song this is why I'm hot guys no not familiar you don't remember this is why i'm hot this is why i'm hot. Oh, you gotta look it up it's a classic song 2006 it was jose reyes's walk-up song i believe in 2006 mm, okay i think you were covering the mets then yeah, so. yeah i probably remember from them i remember uh david wright coming up to brass monkey more than, than uh, beastie boys yeah we got a and, teach uh, 2000s rap here and uh cliff floyd coming up to the sanford and son theme song <laughs> too that was good yeah i look Lafleur has not had a great start to his career as a jets offense coordinator and i said this jake i wrote this the other day jets offense coordinator is one of those jobs in this town where you're not very popular it's like being the Mets closer they have not had a good run here for a long time and it's hard to come up with one you're like yeah that guy did a really good job that being said right now the Panthers have the number one defense in the NFL the Broncos have the number two defense in the NFL and the Patriots have the number five defense in the NFL by yardage so three top five defenses You could say, well, that's because they played the Jets. (laughs) That's helped. And, you know, that's part of it in the early season is you don't know what these statistics will look like. It's a small sample size still. But I do think Vic Fangio is a good defense coordinator. Broncos have a good defense. I think the Patriots have a good defense. Panthers have a good defensive front. I'm not sure if their secondary is great. So it's been tough defenses. Still, I mean, 20 points in three games is, is just epically bad three points in the first half jake they've got to get something going early in this game and usually the first series is the time when the team looks really good and comes out and does the plays they've been practicing all week they script those plays jets have gotten nothing out of their first drive so far so i think this will be big this week if they can come out and do something early this is their chance with with julio jones potentially out uh with aj brown out it's slim pickings at the at the receiver for the Titans with guys like Reynolds out there and Chester Rogers. I mean, it's it's not good. And like you said, the Titans defense thirty eight points, Cardinals thirty to Seahawks, and then sixteen to the Colts. That was their best week. This is this is big for the Jets to at least compete. We don't expect them to win this game, you know. But if they could compete and then go into next week into London against the Falcons team, that if you look at their schedule and circle a winnable game, that's the one you have the biggest circle around. There's that and maybe the Bengals, and the Bengals have been good so far. So I don't. Know and then the Texans, Texans. Jaguars, you know, there's, yeah. some, there's some winnable games on the schedule, which I wrote for my Post Plus newsletter after Sunday's game was one of those games you walk out of and you're like, oh my God, are they going to win a game? Like, who can they beat? They look so bad. But then, you know, with a couple days of perspective, you look at it and you look at the schedule and there's winnable games on the schedule. And I think the thing you have to hope too is this Jets team is so young, so many new pieces that they're going to get better, you know, as the season goes on. I think you had to expect some early season struggles from them with all these new pieces, including the coaching staff and just all like so many new players. Give me play actions like Anthony Beck said on the last podcast. Listen to that one. You know, give me bootlegs. Give me play action. Give me some of that stuff we saw in preseason with Zach Wilson. Give me my favorite play, the reverse. Do something different. You know, shake it up and then run the football. Pound it down their throats. Give it a Carter. You know, run it 25 times on Sunday because, you know, Derrick Henry is going to run it probably 30. He's going to be running all day long on this Jets defense. I'd love to see them rush the ball, Kaz. Worst case, like, you know, you go three and out and punt it and make it a field position game. You're not going to win with Zach Wilson dropping back 30 or 40 times and not mixing up the playbook. So I'd love to see, you know, them fight back on the Titans with 
a little run game of themselves. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think if, if it's not working early, Jake, you can't abandon it. The Jets have to work on just establishing an identity in this game. What's the identity of this offense right now? I don't really know what they want to do. Do they want to run the ball? Do they want to be a passing first team? Like I, I thought they were going to be a run heavy team coming from San Francisco. They haven't been. The only 13 rushes on Sunday. I, I think you have to establish the run, you know, just, just to kind of just set a tone for your offensive line and everything. And I also would like to see them roll Zach out, cut the field in half, make it a little bit easier for him on the reads so he doesn't have to read the whole field. And I think, too, Jake, you can, you've mentioned this before. He, he can run. Like, why not a couple design runs for Zach Wilson? Like, I asked Robert Sala about it last week, I think, and he said, well, he's not Lamar Jackson. But he doesn't have to be Lamar Jackson. Can he be Daniel Jones? Can he run a little bit like that? You know, like, <laughs> Daniel Jones and Lamar Jackson, and, and you right. know his RPOs work great. So yeah, that's a dumb got, analogy. Yeah, so I want to see some of that. But yeah, they, they just have to mix it up this week, and they've got to just generate offense. And like I said, I think they'll be able to against this defense. I think they'll look different against the Titans defense than they looked against the Broncos. Yeah, and I don't like that. He's not Lamar Jackson. I'm not Joey Chestnut, but I could eat a lot of hot dogs and chicken parm. I mean, come on. We don't need to compare to Lamar Jackson. Running the football as a quarterback is just a given. That might be a terrible uh, comparison. Wow. But <laughs> How many hot dogs can you eat, Jake? Uh, no, like, hot dogs. If we had a chicken parm contest, because hot dogs maybe like ten. I don't know. I, I don't know how he does okay. seventy. It's absolutely disgusting. Even uh, watching that. Speaking of disgusting, Quentin Williams is disgusted with uh, the criticism and what's going on with New York sports and athletes telling us not to criticize them. When you're bad, you're going to get criticized. This is New York. I don't know if it's social media and the era of giving guys likes and getting these endorsements and guys can't take the heat. But Quentin Williams said, we don't want to hear bleep S H. You know, the rest said the team can't listen to the criticism and people who are saying it don't play. Your thoughts on what Quentin Williams and, you know, three weeks in already the frustrations are boiling. Yeah, I don't think he was saying people can't criticize Jake. I think his point was they can't listen to it. And I think he's right. You know, I don't think they should listen to it. I always tell guys to not read what I write because <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's poison for them. You know, I don't think they want to hear the criticism and I get it. And they, they need to list, just listen to their coaches and listen to the people in the building. So I don't think he was saying fans can't criticize the team i don't think that was his point i don't think going down the road of you've never played the game is ever smart and saying well they don't play football jake i've never prepared a meal at a restaurant i've never been a chef but i can tell you what good food is right so i can watch football and tell you what's good football do i know everything that these guys know no but you know you, you know good football when you see it and you know the jets haven't played good football in a long time so fans have every right to criticize the team players have every right to not listen to it they shouldn't fire back i saw some social media stuff where i think Connor mcgovern might have fired back at a, at a fan that's not smart though no, they shouldn't go down that road yeah i thought quinnon's point kind of got a little convoluted with where he went but i i think overall he was saying just don't listen to the criticism it actually started with my question jake i asked him because he's the number three pick and he went through a lot of scrutiny as a rookie what his advice is to zach right now because he's going through it and that's what started this conversation yeah i mean enough of that's such an old you know argument oh you didn't play you can't talk about it well, listen people get paid millions of dollars to talk about your play you know Stephen a is out, out there and you know we don't get paid millions or anywhere close to that but you know we get paid to talk about and write about how you guys play and you have to respect that's our job and your job is being better at football you have stunk it up and not saying Quinn williams but when you're 0-3 and you're not competing 
Fans are paying, you know, I was talking, I was at the Giant game on Eli Manning Day Sunday, and I'm talking to a guy at a tailgate, and you know, he pays 25000 for PSLs, $25,000 for a personal seat license. So he could say whatever crap he wants to say yeah. when he's dropping twenty five grand to even have these tickets. And that twenty five grand Kaz, isn't even paying for the tickets. It's paying to reserve those seats for whatever, the next 10 years. Yeah. Then you got to pay the thousands of dollars per ticket on top of that. Now, when I go, I'll do the StubHub $50 morning of, but most people will lock in the season tickets. Twenty five grand. I mean, there's people making less than that a year. Yeah. That's just to own the seat. So they got to realize people put their hard-earned money into seeing you play. So they are allowed to speak a little bit. Yeah, and I think Quinn has to remember the team is 9-26 and 26 since he's been on it. That, that, that's perspective he has to keep. Uh, he's played well at times. He's obviously not a big problem on this team. He's one of, one of the good spots on this team, but, uh, you know, hasn't gone well since he's been here. And to your point, Jake, of the fans, I, I, I saw it Sunday night flying home from Denver, took the red-eye flight from Denver, and there's all these Jets fans who, you know, they bought plane tickets to go to Denver. Then they bought the tickets in Denver. They had hotel rooms. They spent all this money to go watch the team score. And no they scored points. as many points as the Jets did. <laughs> yes. So it's like, you know, you see these, like, I see it in the airport every week with these road games. He's like, I'm like, man, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, yeah. like, how can you, like, how can you do this to yourself? Like, make make this trip, you know. And you're, you're they're flying back overnight, probably because they have to go to work Monday morning to to watch this team just score no points. Like, uh, so yeah, if they want to criticize, go ahead and criticize. Yeah, no, I know my guy Claudio and Gotham City crew. They go to a lot of these road games and. You know, they come back and they're like, well, the tailgate was fun. I'm like, all right, <laughs> I could have done that outside my building. I mean, tailgate, you know, I could drink on my couch and do the same thing you're doing and put a speaker out and make my own tailgate. So, you know, I'm not trying to travel for a tailgate, you know, see the sights and sounds of each of these cities. But they were talking about a trip to Indianapolis. I'm like, what are you getting? The the shrimp cocktail from that place you talked about in Indianapolis? Oh, St. Elmo. St. Elmo. Yeah. Elmo. Like, that's that's where you're going for. Oh, I had a great trip to St. Elmo. The Jets, you know, had four total yards of offense. But uh, St. St. Elmo, the four pieces of shrimp were really good. All right, let's preview this game. Jets, Titans, Titans are two and one. Jets are zero and three. The Titans are seven and a half point favorites at MetLife Stadium, one o'clock. Greg Gumble, Adam Archuleta on the call on CBS. The over under is forty five. Cause break down, make your pick. Let's go. Yeah, I think it's gonna be an ugly game, Jake. Uh, especially if Julio can't play and no AJ Brown. I don't think the Titans' offense is gonna be rolling like they, you know, they might be with those guys in the in the lineup. So I think you know, Jets' defense has played well. Derrick Henry's gonna get his, you know that. But I don't think uh, this is going to be as ugly as last week and like i said i think the offense will be able to do something against the titans i'm i'm not predicting them i'll never predict them to score 38 points again jake like i did week one that was that was a little bit of a miss i think it's gonna be close i think titans win i'll go 17 16 titans win so jets cover i must be the new negative nancy of this show i'm taking the titans 27 13 i think the jets get blown out again i mean two touchdowns i guess for them that's a close game but i just have no confidence in I have seen nothing that tells me the offense is going to change. And until I see that, I'm going to just have to, you know, keep picking against them. I'm surprised you're only saying by a point. I think. Well, how do you, you know, why do you think the Titans are going to score 27? I'm with you. I got picked 16. I'm not picking the offense to light up the scoreboard. Why, why do you think the Titans are going to score so much? I'm just feeling a highlight reel of Derrick Henry barreling over cornerbacks and barreling over linebackers. I think they're just going to run it down the Jets throws. The Jets, you know, they saw McCaffrey, but uh, you know, he got a little banged up in that game. So they're going to get a full game potentially here of Derrick Henry, and I think it's going to get ugly. And I know the 
you know, the stat everyone was like, oh, Michael Carter, the defensive Michael Carter, our cornerback, was the number one rookie cornerback by PFF. And I'm like, right, it's a small sample size. You know, there's not a ton of rookie cornerbacks that he's compared to. That was the one positive take, but I, I just feel Henry's going to kill him. They haven't been run on like crazy. I mean, last week the Broncos had some success, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a bludgeoning. Um, I do think that plays into the Jets' strength. I think stopping the run is probably what they do best because they have good defensive front. C.J. Mosley has been active against the run game. I, I just think it kind of plays. I think this this is a good matchup for the Jets. All right. Well, hopefully, me saying twenty seven thirteen, it'll be close. Hey, maybe Sunday night, Monday morning, we're talking about the Jets' first win uh, of the season. It'd be nice nice to think about that. May, you never know. You know, the Browns had all the receivers missing last year. Jets beat them. Maybe, you know, if A.J. Brown and, uh, you know, Ian Rappaport <laughs> reporting that uh, Julio Jones is getting treatment for a leg injury and his status is up in the air. Kaz had to tell me about that tweet because Ian Rappaport, one of the few people on Twitter along with uh, Anita Baker that has me blocked. The, Anita uh, Baker, the singer? Art. R&B singer, yes. What you do to her? Block. So I get the block stories. I don't get blocked, and I don't really block people. Anita Baker was both of them, Mr. and Miss Softy. Maybe they're meant for each other. Anita Baker, we we interviewed Rashawn McLeod, a former NBA player on my CBS podcast like five years ago, Brown and Scoopin'. Uh, he told us that Michael Jordan would sing Anita Baker's Giving You the Best That I Got when crossing over Jerry Stackhouse and taking him to school on the court. And it became like a big story. It was, went viral. It was on ESPN, and, and I think Anita Baker saw it and was like subtweeting about it. I'm like, wow, I'm getting subtweeted by an R&B singer of the 80s. I think I said like, you're welcome for the album sales increases this week or oh. something. And blocked. Anita Baker blocked. Wow. Uh, so... And then Ian Rappaport was, you order him the, does he want rainbow sprinkles on his Mr. Softy cone? Uh, I tweeted back, uh, I forget the host. I think it was Chad Dukes or something. Yeah, yeah, I knew in um, DC, yeah. Yeah, in DC, he had Ian on for, you know, a segment. They booked a time. The first time he said, hey, I got to go. He hung up on the interview. Then they rescheduled it for later in the day, and he hung up on him again. I think this was live radio, too, and he said, I got to go. He had a tweet out that, like, a cornerback got signed. So I, I'm listening to the ra- segment. You know, they posted the clip, and I was like, wow, this was awesome radio or something. And it was replied to Ian and to Chad, I guess. And he blocked me. Blocked that day. So uh, little mm. does he know, Ian Rappaport, that I could still see his tweets from the other accounts. The, that I have. So uh, I, it takes some work for me now to see his tweets. I got to go into the other account and see him. But uh, yeah, so blocked by Ian Rappaport and Anita Baker. They'll, they'll put that on my tombstone when I die one day or I'll put it on my LinkedIn. Two of the most random blocks maybe in Twitter history. But Rappaport, it's annoying because my whole feed will be Richard Sherman sign. It's like, who signed? Who signed? And I got to wait for someone else. But coming up next is former Jets offensive lineman and Hofstra alum Willie Colon right here on Gangs All Here. Joining us now on Gangs All Here is a friend of the program. He's a former Jets offensive lineman from 2013 through 2015, played 10 seasons, 100 games in the NFL from 2006 through 2015 for the Steelers and Jets, and is a Super Bowl 43 champion. He's now got an abundance of roles as the SNY Jets pre- and post-game analyst, co-hosting Morning Men on SiriusXM Mad Dog Radio with Evan Cohen and Mike Babchick, and co-hosting Sirius NFL Radio's pre-game show on Thursdays. 7 8 p.m. with my guy Bill Leckis over there. Most importantly, he's the pride of Hofstra, finishing there three years before I got there. Let's welcome in Bronx native number 66, 
Willie Cologne. Willie, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Good, man. Thanks. How's everything going? You're a busy man now. You know, I I listened for you know when on my commutes to work to Morning Men, and they are quite the crew to work with, huh? Have you got used to uh, working with Babchick yet? Yeah, well, you know, I just I just springboarded from Barstool, so this is kind of. Uh... <laughs> This is in my wheelhouse, the wackiness and 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 then the all, the hot takes, if you will. So uh, yeah, this is this is kind of my wheelhouse. I'm good. And the six six a.m. start, and now you have congrats, a second child. You got two kids, and you're up at five a.m. and you're changing diapers. Yeah, I feel like you need a drink. Uh, I don't know if I need a drink more than Jesus. I'll take Jesus over the drink. Uh, <laughs> I, I, no, I, listen, I'm I'm fine, man. You know, I'm used to the kind of the morning grind. I actually prefer it. Uh, which is strange because I'm not a, I'm not a morning person, but I'm way more productive. I feel like I'm getting a lot uh, more output than just kind of sleeping it in, figuring out my day, waking up at six in the morning, talking shop, talking ball, which I'm passionate about helps. And, uh, you know, the kids are, are kids. They're only kids, you know, at one time. So you just have to kind of go through the ground with them. But I'm, I'm blessed, man. No, no, no complaints. Kaz, you're up at 6 a.m. watching Jets game film, right? <laughs> No, no, I'm not. Jake. I'm trying not to get up at six. I am not a morning person either. So, uh, yeah, I unfortunately with the kids, you, you do end up getting early, but uh, not that early. Yeah, man. It's a blessing. You're watching the Jets. You're doing the pre and post game with SNY. Your, your overall thoughts on these uh, this debacle so far? <laughs> it's, a, it's a debacle. That's what it is, right? I mean, it's funny because you go into the season, you're saying, well, we won't judge the team by wins and losses. All right. You, you accept that. And then it's almost like you can't lower your standards anymore. Like there is no, there is, <laughs> you can't like, it is, it is, it's bad. Like it's bad because at this point the Jets don't have any, there's like, there's nobody to turn to as far as the, as far as the quarterback position. Like you're, you're stuck with the kid. And I think it's obvious at this point, as much as you admire his skill set and his ability to uh, improvise. And he, I think he's really athletic. I think he is a smart kid, despite the throws that sometimes he makes, but that's just gamership. I think he's just forced. He's trying to make plays and put balls in places that don't need, need to be. But he's just he's just not ready for the show, in my honest opinion. Now, with all that said, I do think the kid is a ball player. I do. I, I think they I do. I think they do have something uh, special for him. Uh, I think they have some, they drafted somebody special. But I think there's just something to be said of just waiting it out and kind of letting this kid mature through the process and, and, and through the system. You know, as NFL fans, we're kind of spoiled because we look at the Kyler Murray's. We look at the Justin Herbert's. We look at. All these young quarterbacks uh, in this past year, and we say, well, why not? If that's them, why can't it be us? And we have to somehow skew our mentality. Every individual is different. It just so happens the Jets have a really, really bad luck in drafting that one guy that can go right, <laughs> that could take off right away, right? Like we always seem to got it, could be better two or three years down the road, but they just don't have the pieces in place to kind of endure that. So we're, it's, it's kind of like this you're stuck in a ham, you're a hamster in the wheel type situation. So I, I like, uh, Coach uh, Salah, I like the fact that our defense is scrappy and they continue to have play with pride and try to fight to the end. Being on the offensive side of the ball, I do have empathy because it does take long. It, the offense takes longer to de- develop. More things have to go right. More people have to be in sync. When that's not going right, wrong, and uh, in the right way, excuse me, it, it, it just looks like a mess. So I, but I, you know, I got faith in the kid, but I just, personally, I just think it, it would be a better situation if there was maybe uh, a vet. 
that was in front of him kind of leading the charge, and he he had a year to underneath his belt to kind of take it all in. Willie, I, I look back at 2013, your first year with the Jets, and yep. that was a year – there were similarities to this year. Mm-hmm. You guys ended up having to play Geno Smith after Sanchez got hurt in um, preseason. You had a lot of new pieces on that team. Uh, that was kind of Idzik's first year. He kind of tore it down and, and added a lot of new pieces – but you guys managed to go eight and eight that year somehow. I still I still look at that roster and go, how'd that team go eight and eight? What was the key for you guys early in that season? You guys went win loss, win loss, win loss, if I remember right. But yep. what was the key with, with Gino? You know, I don't think Gino was ready to play then either. Um, yep. but you guys managed to win games. So what was the key there? Well, I, I think listen, we, we lose Mark in the Snoopy Bowl, right? And Mark Mark gets knocked and I think anybody I think Nick or any of the older guys in that locker room at that, that time feel like if Mark was on that team and if he was healthy, we probably would have cracked the playoff. We probably would have got in somehow, some way. Because I think at that point, he had seen it all, done it all. We had a significant run game. We had enough pieces in the offensive line. You know, me and Austin Howard, I felt like we were, and, and Nick, we were running the ball really, really well on the, on the right side of, of that line. Obviously, we had Brick and the young Brian Winters. But I think for us, I know personally, me and my mindset, and I've said this on air, was we knew the kid had a lot on his shoulders. Because when Gino got to us, you know, he was kind of like this this new darling, a black quarterback, signed with Rock Nation. Mark Sanchez is gone. You know, the, we, there was a complete overhaul. Revis is not on the team, but yet we had enough pieces where we can kind of we can make some things go. And I just felt like it was up to me, Nick, and Brick to just get him as more as comfortable, get him as comfortable as possible early. And that means not making it hard for him, um, where he's feeling like he's you know he's taking on pressure, he's taking on sacks, rather just creating a pocket where he can just see down the field and throw the ball. Because Geno has records. I think people forget that Geno's records at West Virginia, Virginia still, I think, still hold true to today. So it wasn't that he didn't have the arm talent. It was just about him getting valuable reps. In that process, we want, as a line, we want to kind of just get him acclimated as fast as he can where he didn't have to worry about the pressure, just worry about seeing the defense and understanding coverage. So, And on top of that, we always felt like at the end of the day, we could run the ball. I think we had enough. You know, beef eaters up front. If we had to get in the phone book, we we can make it. We can we can win that way. And our defense, you know, I think was you know you talk about the similarities between that 2013 team compared to this team. You know, when I got there in 2013, we were the second second youngest team in the NFL. So we had a lot of guys who necessarily, I mean, Sheldon and all those guys were really really young and really really talented. They just didn't know how to be professionals. They just didn't know how to win. Much like this team, right? I I, I see a lot of what's going on now. It's just that level of grit maintaining intensity through all four quarters because it's easy to play a great first half football you got to finish the game because every team adjusts at halftime they make the corrections then boom they're back at it again when you're a young team you may be fired up playing well and things may go your way but you got to come out at halftime with that same level of concentration and if not more fight because you know your game plan is somewhat exposed and if you're on top you're never going to change what's what's already working for you you're just going to try to hone in and execute at a high level. So being a team that understands that necessarily doesn't happen with a young team. It takes it takes a team that's been together for a while, been through the ups and downs, and understand when you come out of halftime, you got to get a little more grittier and you got to be a, a little more sharper. So this team just doesn't have that just because of experience. So I think a lot of team, a lot of people from the outside look at this Jets team and like, oh, same old Jets, same old nonsense, same old circus. I never, I necessarily don't think that. I just think they're young, and that's and they're young and they don't know how to win right now. But I think it takes enough guys in that locker room to just be absolutely desperate and absolutely, you know, biting at the bit like, hey, no matter what happens, we're not losing this game. It takes that level of desperation. I'm happy that Quentin Williams is in the media cussing and looks pissed off and agitated. Finally, right? Like, finally, somebody's like, bro, enough is enough. 
Like a lot of those guys do come from winning programs. And for four or five years, they had pride and they had a standard that shouldn't leave just because you go in an organization that hasn't been playing well for a long time. As an individual, if you come from at the Alabamas, the LSUs, the Floridas, the whatevers, and the standard is winning year after year, you not take that same type of data, that, that, that same type of code, that same type of mantra into the NFL with you. I'm happy. Well, I'm, I'm extremely happy that Quentin Williams is, 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 is annoyed with questions. And I'm extremely happy that he's pissed off that the Jets are currently 0-3. I just need him to get everybody in that locker room just as pissed off as him. And if that means starting fights in practice, if that means becoming a prick and where he, he uh, you know, he gets in a fight with another offensive lineman and all of a sudden everybody's chippy at practice, Good. God damn it. Good. Because losing, losing sucks in the NFL. It takes so much just to get to Sunday, let alone practice, just to get to Sunday, to get your body prepared to perform on Sunday. It takes so much. For it. So I'm I'm all for him to being pissed off. And he just has to understand that he has there's other guys next to him that to be just as pissed off. So if he can somehow transfer that energy. Because I think they can beat the Titans, but they got to play like it's the last game on earth they're ever going to play. And if they bring that type of energy every Sunday, they have a shot. If you look at the regular schedule, they have a shot. Like I'm just talking about shot to be three and three. And then everything changes. Everything changes, right? Now you're talking about Zach Wilson in different light. This defense is maturing. I like the kid Michael Carter, uh, the running back we have. I like him. I like Ty Johnson. You know what I mean? I know Croft is hurt uh, with a chest injury, but. And our offensive line right now, they're, they're starting to figure it out. I need those guys to get a little tougher, especially the interior three. I like our tackles. I'm a big fan of Moses. Fan has six-year experience coming from Seattle. So we just need this, this from the offensive side, we need to this, this expedite you know, the process a little bit. But from the defensive side, I think we're playing well. But from an overall team standpoint, they got to play like there's, there's no tomorrow. They, they just have every Sunday. And you say, Willie, why, why, well, why don't they play with that abandonment? Because they don't know how to. You know what I mean? They just don't know how to bring that type of energy and that level of, of ferocity. Well, lots to unpack there. Willie covering it all in uh, one answer. Uh, and and Quinnen, you, you heard Willie. Throw some hands. Let's... Wife, the devil, I'm, I'm, I'm pissed off like Quentin Williams. <laughs> release, re- release the anger. You know, Jets, start yeah. throwing hands. Somebody start a fight in this. In this like... I mean, seriously, at some point, when, when is enough is enough? Like, Brian can tell you a lot of our practices that I, my time with the Jets, we with, I was getting into a scuffle or something. A lot of times, it, it's out of pure frustration. Like you don't have a long time in the NFL, and I recognize that more towards the latter years of my career. Like there's not you think you have time, you don't have time. So if you're the Quentin Williamson, uh, Quentin Williams, and you're the you know you're the George Fants, and you're the Morgan Moses, and you're some of the old guys who are five years in. Well, Quentin's really three, but. If you've had some seasoning on your helmet, man, you got to go. You just got to go. We used to debate, Jake, who would you least want to get into a fight with on the Jets back in Willie's day? And I remember we were at, we were talking to Mangold about it, and Mangold said, Willie. Mangold's like, you don't want to mess with Willie, you know? <laughs> and, and there's some big dudes on the team. There was, you know, a lot of the D-linemen and the D-line, but, but Mangold was like, Willie's the guy you don't want to mess with. So, yeah, yeah there's, they, I, I'm not sure, you know, it's weird because we're not in the locker room. So I don't know this team as well as the like Willie's team. And I don't know who that guy is right now on this team that would that would kind of start a fight and, and start scrapping, you know, because like, you know, Brenna was another guy, Willie, with, that yeah. you play with. Brenna, Brenna, yeah, Brenna yeah. would mix it up sometimes, you know. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you knew Brenna was going to fight sometimes yeah. in training camp, and uh, I'm not sure who that guy is on this team But to right your now. point, Brian, those are guys who had been there that had played a lot of ball, right? Like, yeah. we acquired Jason Babman. He was the bad guy in the NFL, right? Like, we – you know, Breno and, and even B. Marshall, as crazy he was, like he, every guy had a little bit of bite to him. 
but they had played a lot of football. They had been through the ups and downs. So this team, when I look at this roster, I'm not I'm not judging them from an effort standpoint. I just understand they're pups, right? And, they, and they're dealing with the weight of the world from the media and everything that entails, down the new regime, new culture. And so they're trying to embrace everything. But it takes somebody to be like, hey, enough. Like, I'm okay with, I think players fall in the habit of saying, well, damn the media, damn. No, 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 no. The media is always going to be the media. Like, I, I hate that when players come to New York, there's this mindset, well, the daunted media. That's, <laughs> never the nar- that's never the narrative in other cities. But when you come to New York, this is like, oh, the media is another enemy outside of whatever we got to deal with. No, the media is always going to be the media. You can't beat them. It's like punching a wave, right? So why do you keep swinging at it? Let the media be the media. You be the New York Jets and probably be the best you can be. And stop giving the, the media and, and, and you and Brian, I know you're part of it and I'm a part of it too. Everybody here is. But they're being inside the locker room, and I was once on that side of the fence, there's so much energy of running away from the media or saying something or doing something that the media could just run away with. I would give no shit what they said or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Because when you win, yeah. winning's the ultimate deodorant. The more you win, yep. the less they have to say. When you lose, then you're just opening a buffet for them. So my mindset is like, all right, let's just win. Because we can't stop them from talking. We can't stop them from doing whatever they're going to do. Why do we keep worried about it? Well, and winning here, Willie, gets amplified too. You know, like losing gets amplified in New York. Winning, like you know it with the your, – your, I know you're a huge Yankees fans, right? Like yeah. that – when the Yankees win, it's the biggest thing. And when the Jets were winning back, you know, 2010, they were the biggest thing. But these guys haven't experienced that. That I'm curious, Willie, when you look at the pressure Zach is under, um, watching Sunday, I didn't think it was on the line so much as I thought he was holding the ball. I thought receivers weren't getting open. What are you seeing when, when you look at the pressure that he's been under? Yeah, I think Sunday he was just – Bart would say on the show he's burping the baby, holding the ball. Um, but I also think he was being extremely cautious. And I think he was being extremely cautious because so much prior to leading up to that game, he had heard about having such a bad game and, and, and everything that comes with another rookie quarterback for the New York Jets not being ready to go and not ready for the show. And I think the kid has, has grown up. And I talked about standard. I think he's had an elitist standard. I think he thinks very high of himself. I think he thinks very high of his production and what he can do and how he can perform on the field. So now he has that one kind of Welcome to the NFL. Maybe, this, you know, that shocker of a game. I think he went into that game thinking about, man, I can't turn off the ball. I, I just don't want to – whatever happens, just don't do this one thing. Don't turn over the ball. So I think he went into that game thinking about that. And I think that constricts you, right? Because if, if you watch a lot of baseball players or if you watch a lot of golfers, they just swing. They don't worry about it. They just swing because the, the repetition that, that they put into that to just be on point and accurate – and one thing about football players, man, and I had a great offensive line coach, Sean Kugler, who's not an offensive line coach with the Arizona Cardinals. He always said, listen, during the week, my job is to prepare you as much as possible. So for a Sunday, I do the thinking. You do the playing. And that's what you want this kid. You want him to be instinctive. You want him to trust himself just like he trusted himself in BYU. You want him to have the understanding that when he's out there, he's the operator, he's the gunslinger, and you want him to just go. If he's in the pocket with an offensive line that – necessarily isn't the best from a talent standard. Now you're saying to myself, like, all right, now he's thinking I got an offensive line who has to adjust their game to watching this kid either hold the ball or run or scramble outside of the pocket. Like, he's a little bit all over the place in the pocket. It just makes for bad football because there, this, there, there's a disconnect there, right? Like, playing in Pittsburgh, I played with Ben Roethlisberger, who was known for being an improvised type quarterback, a Sandlot quarterback. Ben would sit back there and hold the ball like he would. And then we'd be fighting and fighting. I remember one time, uh, offensive line coach, once again, he was like, listen, I don't give a shit how long he holds the ball. I really don't. Because when he holds the ball, big plays happen. So if he holds the ball, that means you just have to block longer. Like and that and that killed all the nonsense. He was like, whatever it, whatever needs to be done for him to be his best, then goddamn it, that's what you gotta do. 
No more complaining about and it, so once we in we embraced that, we didn't care if Ben was back there pumping the ball. We didn't care if he was running left and right because we, we knew that was a part of his game. So if this is gonna be a part of Zach Wilson's game, necessarily I don't think it, I think the kid is just thinking. But whatever however his game is, this offense line has to customize himself to that. Because you the kid the kid is gonna be here for a while. This offensive line is going to kind of chop and go, and they're going to try to plug in uh, better players as as the years go on. So, it, it's for me, it's you got to eliminate excuses. If it's, if it's a situation where he's thinking I don't want to turn over the ball, he may be holding a little bit more. Then the offensive line has to stand up and be like, all right, we're going to be sitting, we're going to be, we're going to have to hold up a little tighter. We have to communicate a little better. We have to see things a little faster. And hold, and then eventually he'll calm down. He'll calm down, and then he's going to be bink, bink, bink all over the field. And the, off, and the offensive line looked better. That's just the progression of our offense. Willie Colon's on Gangs All Here for a few more minutes. Follow him on Twitter, Will Colon66 and Willie Colon66 on Instagram. How much do you think of this goes on LaFleur and the play calling? Is something we've pointed to. The lack of creativity, a lot of dropbacks with Zach. Not enough runs. Uh, you know, they're not running the ball 10 to 15 times a game when that should be 20 to 25. Do you do you blame LaFleur here for the slow start a little bit? Well, I, I think he's, a, he's, in, he's in a conundrum because you don't want to put too much on a kid's plate where he feels like he's seeing too much, right? And then you you want to put enough on there where you feel like you're using his best attributes. On, on the same time, you're not just thinking about him. You're thinking about the entire offense. You know, how can I get this guy off? How do I get the offense line involved? So I think as a young OC, one thing he has to do, and I think I've been around a lot of great players, and one thing they always tell me, Willie, keep it simple. Right. Let's take let's take the things that this offense does well right now as of as of going into week four and let's make it better. And then everything else will follow along. I think one thing Zach Wilson does right now, and we've seen spurts of it, is his his ability to use his feet and make the big throw or be getting that pocket moving where he can he can see things differently. So I think if you look at the Patrick Mahomes and you see some of these other quarterbacks when the pocket's moving and he's able to have some space and he can see the whole field, big plays happen. I think forcing this kid who's not a big quarterback Forcing him to throw from a well and make those Brady-esque throws is unfair. I think they have to use him. They have to use him as a uh, as a running threat as well. Be a situation where he tucks the ball. He you know he can he can shake a couple dudes and and get three or four or five yards because right now and I said this on Sunday show the Jets don't have the firepower to get over the big drops that we saw Sunday right like the big drop with Corey Davis or the big drop with Michael Carter or you know they don't have that firepower to kind of get over those drops so. How do you combat that? Stay ahead of the sticks. So if that means getting two or three yards, fine, we'll take that. Getting three yards here, we'll take that. And kind of grinding along. And if it takes for you to say, all right, we're going to do a read option where we're forced, kind of what the Giants are doing with Daniel Jones at times, or at least we're getting three or four positive yards out of it at a time where we're cracking things slowly, boom. Because if you're an offense like what we have right now, three is okay. Because it, because what happened in Sunday's game is that defense was on the field for eight minutes, battling, battling a, a Teddy Bridgewater uh, offense, who was good but wasn't great. But they were out there fighting, trying to hold Teddy back. And then the offense was three and out. Then the defense back on the field. So they, they were playing a mile house. So they were, they were exhausted, man. And so they, as an offense, you, I was conscious that, hey, man, let's give our defense a break. We know they're going to fight like hell for us. But if it's three and out, three and out, and there's a pick or a fumble or a drop pass, one, you kill a momentum. Two, you're, you're, you're severely severing the rhythm of your offense. And on top of that, your defense is, is going to start. They're going to start going rogue on you because you're not living up to your part. Everything matters, man. And so, from Lafour's standpoint, he has to keep in mind, like, all right, this defense has been on a while. Let's let's get a screen. Let's get the let's get the little three and four or five yard these dunks where we can one give our defense a rest. Two, that we stay ahead of the sticks. And three, we're moving. We're not just stagnant because when a stagnant offense with a young quarterback. 
then he's going to feel like I got to do something. I got to do something to change the rhythm of this game. Here goes a turnover. Instead of letting it just come and you know, kind of going through the ever flow of the game. Dude, the, the, the frustration is mounting the offensive line, too. I'm not saying you go rogue, not Adam Sandler, the longest yard situation where they let you sack the quarterback. But when, you know, the ineptitude continues, does that frustrate you mentally? You know, when, when Gino would struggle, were you guys like, nah, I'm not going to block for him, but... You know, the, the energy and the focus just wasn't there as much? No, it's just, it, I think, listen, picks hurt. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm not, you, you throw enough picks. It's just, it's hard for an old offensive line because I we were a little more seasoned at that time. I was, what, year eight or year nine, year eight. You, you keep throwing picks with guys with raggedy, raggedy knees. It's hard to get warmed up, right? So, like, offensive linemen, we we got, we deserve, we got to get sweaty. We got to get, we're like boxers. We, we got to take some bruises and body shots for us to really come alive. If we're, if we're throwing picks and, we, and we're, you know, it's picks going out of his hand and, and turnover after turnover, one, we don't get, we don't get a beat on the guy that's going we're going against. Two, it's hard for us to understand what the defense is really trying to do. And on top of that, everything's on us, right? Was there a pressure? Was there a blitz we missed? Was there miscommunication? We had to go through a checklist of things on why this one guy decided to throw the ball, you know, to the guy in the other jersey. You know, so we have to endure all that. And then when it's when we go through the checklist, it's not us. Well, it's still your fault because <laughs> you got to give him more time. You know what I mean? Or, or there's something to that. So. It's, it's just a part of the job. I think in my mindset, if I was out there with Zach Wilson right now, I'm like, listen, kid, just win one play. Just win one play at a time. I don't need you to win to beat the world right now. Just win one play at a time, and we'll get out of this. Last one from me, Willie. I'm um, curious what you thought of Greg Van Roten's postgame comments, you know, saying that Zach has to get rid of the ball quicker. He's just frustrated. He's a frustrated offensive lineman. For me, if, if I was in that room, I would tell him to understand this kid is his first year in the league, man. And I would ask Greg to go back to his first year in the league and see how much he and how much he reciprocated the game and how fast things were moving for him. And, you know, from a quarterback standpoint, he has the world in his hand. But at the same time, as an office lineman, you know, I was forced to go against Trevor Price and Ray Lewis my first game in the NFL. Wow. And so I, I you know, and I remember the first play Trevor Price. It was wild. We were playing Baltimore Christmas weekend. I had practice against Trevor Price's go-to move, which was a, was a hard inside rip where he would literally cross your face and rip hard inside, and he would drive right to the quarterback. I was at, before practice, during practice, after practice, going against guys, and I would tell him, man, just do this move, because I had to see it a million times, and I was just like, man, I'm not going to let this guy beat me with this move. Brian, as God is my witness, the first the first move he did against me, he picked me up and knocked <laughs> big, old, big Ben over. Uh, and thank God, you know, Ben kind of just got rid of the ball, and it was a three and out, and I got off the floor, man. And I remember at the time, uh, Russ Grimm, one of the original Hogs, famer, was my office line coach. And he, I can remember getting off the floor, and it was him, Bill Cowher, and a couple guys, and their face was like. <laughs> and I remember just being so defeated, like, oh, my God. Like, I, I've been practicing. Like, and I thought what was worse is not only did I anticipate it, anticipate the move was I ready for the move I still couldn't beat it you know what I mean so I was just defeated and that was the first quarter I had I had three other quarters to go with the, <laughs> you know what I mean and I remember going to, I remember going to the sideline man and sitting down and you know Russ Graham was going through at the time there were sheets we didn't have tablets right they, they, they're going through the sheets and he's like listen I don't care if you got to block this SOB backwards just block him <laughs> he's like I don't care if you got to turn around I don't care if you got to kick him in the nuts he cannot, he's like you, he cannot hit Ben like he just hit Ben again, or you won't be you won't finish this game. I remember death came over my body. I feel like my soul. You know, what I mean, yeah. it was my first NFL start, and I'm uh. already cold. That happens again. You will no longer be a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers on the spot. Wow, so I, I, that that moment, and from then it was 
fight or flight. Willie Colon, if, if, you, if you're as bad as you say you are, here's a good opportunity to show it, or you're going to cower out and let your career slip away. For me, I wasn't going back to the Bronx, and damn if I was going to lose to the Baltimore Ravens. So I just threw my gloves up. Whatever technique I had, I threw that shit out the window. I was trying to do that every play, literally. You put the tail, I was pulling the scrapper, diving on the back of his legs. Oh, I was, I, was all, I was all over the place. But for the Pittsburgh Steelers, they showed I had fight and I had heart. Now it was just calming myself down, hitting the technique, learning, and becoming a pro. So I would ask, I would tell him, go back to your first game. Go back to your rookie year when you, or go back to a position where you were starting uh, multiple games and see how much you would, uh, you would, took on the game and how much the game was a lot for you at that moment. And imagine what this kid's going through times three. Need patience, man. I, it, it looks bad. Only three, you just want to win. But I, I have empathy for the kid. He just has to be accountable for his actions and just get better week after week. Uh, welcome to the big show. Hell of a start to the NFL right after your time. And you brought it back on Instagram at Hofstra. Love the uh, the picture with Devell Ellis and Stephen Bowen. And, you know, every year, whenever we have you on, we got to check back in on Hofstra football and, and the good old glory days, Willie. Hopefully they bring it back, man, one day. <laughs> one day, one day. Willie Cologne, follow him on Twitter, Will Cologne 66 Willie Cologne 66 IG. Catch him on Mad Dog Sports Radio, 6 to 9 a.m. Evan Cohen, Mike Babchek. NFL Radio, Thursday, 7-8 with Bill Leckis and SMY pre- and post-game. Willie, always good uh, catching up with you, man. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, man. That'll say goodnight to episode 74, the Nick Mangold edition of Games All Here, a Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Brian Mungia for helping me out and producing the show. Subscribe to Gangs All Here on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review there. We appreciate your support. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back on Monday following the Jets matchup with the Titans at MetLife Stadium. Enjoy the game, and thanks for listening, folks.